This is Living Faith, the podcast ministry of First Baptist Church of Avon Park, Florida. We are located at 100 North Lake Avenue. Our Sunday morning services start at 1045 a.m. Sunday school is at 930 a.m. You can find out more information about First Baptist Church at fbcap.net. This is part of our current Sunday evening series called 18 Words You Really Need to Know. To 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. We are looking at important words in Scripture. Uh, I made reference this morning um, as I was preaching about sometimes it's, it's um, in the preaching world, or as I should say as a pastor, you just hear stuff. I think sometimes um, people don't realize the things that we hear as we engage people uh, with the gospel. A lot of times, even because people know I'm a pastor. Uh, you, you'll get all kind of questions and things and people come and, and want to ask you your thoughts about this, that, or the other. Um, but one of the things I mentioned this morning was you'd be surprised a number of times that um, I have heard about repentance, telling somebody they need to repent. Well, the word's just so, uh, you know, it's, and, and it's defined in such a way that it's just such a negative word and why do all that? And, and um a couple of years ago, it just dawned on me I was engaging in one of these conversations, but it's a biblical word, and so if it's a biblical word, then it's a God word, and it's it's a word that we need to know and understand. Even though we may not understand it or like it, even it, it's a biblical. Word. It's like uh, in some preaching circles, never talk about the blood of Jesus, never never talk on sin. I mean, Say that out loud. You know, we're going to preach, but we're not going to talk about Jesus and blood and sin. It just, it just doesn't make sense to me. Uh, and so I've always been a person that loves the Word, and then the words that are in the Word I think are very important in what they mean. And so Sunday nights for several weeks we've been looking at different words and I've uh, been using J.I. Packer as one of the sources and the key words uh, in Scripture. So tonight fits perfectly with this morning reconciliation. So look at you will at 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 5, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. We'll go back to this verse several times um, talking about reconciliation, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. The word reconciliation means to, to make right. We may have known that, but I will be honest with you, one of the, the great joys that we have as ministry leading Bible studies, you as Sunday school teachers know this, that as you study the word, even to prepare a lesson, God is so faithful to just encourage you with things that you knew, but he shows you in a way that you knew that, but you didn't know that. Uh, reconciliation. It means to make right. But it means to make right that which once was right. You know, we know that, but have we thought about it theologically? To reconcile is to have two friends, you know, it's like, y'all make up, okay? Y'all need to talk and get through this. You're, you're reconciling. Well, you think about reconciliation from a biblical standpoint. What did the fall do to man and their relationship with God? Uh, they reconciled. So Christ died so that we may be reconciled with our Creator and to make things right between man and God. And so that is a great truth and a rich truth. To reconcile, to bring together again persons who had previously fallen out, to bring together that which is separated. 
And so when we think about missions and we think about the ministry of the local church, we look at who needs to be reconciled. Every person, every culture, every city, every street, every neighborhood, every family, every tongue and tribe needs to be reconciled to God. And the only way that can happen is through the gospel of Jesus Christ. So let's look at this word. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. I'm going to begin reading there in verse 17. 2 Corinthians 5, 17. And we're going to look at other passages and then we'll come back here. We're very familiar with this passage. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. It's a new person, not dead, but alive. All this is from God who, through Christ, reconciled us to himself. And has he given us this ministry of reconciliation? So, We are reconciled to God through Christ. And so when we understand that we have been given the ministry of reconciliation, we begin to understand the reason we have been given that ministry is because it is through Christ that we share Christ. Now, that should be a tremendous relief for us as far as the expectations of being a witness. How many people be willing to admit that the minute you start thinking about being a witness and sharing the gospel and soul winning, you just automatically kick into nervous mode? I mean, we all do. Because it's such a a monumentous task. I mean, you want to talk about the tip of the spear of spiritual warfare? I think sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ is it. Now, some of us may say, well, I just, I don't think I can do that. I don't think I should. We, We all can do it because it has happened to us. All we are doing is sharing that which has happened to us. We're just sharing to a lost person, hey, this is what Christ has done for me. We don't save them. It is the proclamation of the gospel that God through the gospel brings men back to him. And so we have all been given this ministry of reconciliation. Everybody that we see that does not know God in a personal way, that is not a believer of the Lord Jesus Christ, we have been given that ministry to make that right. So that relieves me. When I get to heaven, I'm not going to be held accountable for how many people got saved under my ministry. I'm not going to get, you know, the, the, I'm not going to get to heaven one day and they say, well, you know what? If you'd have sung just as I am a little longer, more people would have been saved. If you'd have, I'll let you in on a little pastor's secret. You preach on hell and cut the air off and you get people get hot and sweaty. And you start talking about hell or, or sometimes you just preach so long every, every Sunday that they know if more people come forward, he'll, he'll cut the invitation off. You know, there's all kind of silly things that people have said that they need to do. I don't save anybody. None of us saves anybody. It is only through the ministry of reconciliation that someone comes to know Christ. But the only way someone is going to hear about Christ is how? When I open my mouth. And so here, here's a great way to think about it. Do you know that each and every one of us are going to stand before the Lord Jesus Christ? And he's going to, one of the things that he's going to look at us in our life, how faithful were we? about sharing the good news of Jesus Christ with those around us. You know, we think about coming to church. We think about what we do. I mean, you think about it this way. What if I give thousands and millions of dollars to missions, but I never open my mouth to share the gospel? Now, granted, we ought to give millions to missions, okay? But we also need to be willing to open up our mouth and share the gospel with the world that needs to so desperately hear it. 
All this is from God through Christ, given us his ministry. Verse 19, that is Christ God was reconciling the world to himself. Genesis chapter 3, there was sin. The ministry of reconciliation is Christ and the gospel reconciling man back to God, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us this ministry of reconciliation. I'm going to read a quote. I'm not real big on reading quotes of people and that stuff, but I think this was very uh, encouraging. In my studies for this, uh, in John MacArthur's commentary on 2 Corinthians, I thought this was a great quote. The glorious good news of the gospel is that sin-devastated relationship between lost sinners and the holy God. Remember we talked about the holiness of God this morning in the, the, the scene of heaven in Revelation chapter 4. The creation is bowing down and worshiping God because he is holy. So this relationship can be restored. That at first glance, this seems impossible. God is perfect, infinite, righteous justice demands the punishment of all who violate his law. Standing therefore before the bar of his justice are helpless, guilty sinners, unable either to satisfy God or to change their condition. That is a lost person, unable on our own to do anything that compares to the holiness of God. Unable to satisfy God or change their condition. Here's where it gets good. But through God's plan of reconciliation, all the hostility, all the uh, alienation, all the separation between you and the sinners and the Holy One. Let me reread that. Lineless bifocals are messing me up. All the alienation separating the Holy One and sinners vanishes. And those who were once his enemies become his friends. The high calling and noble privilege of preaching this message of reconciliation is the most important duty in the world since it deals with eternal destinations. That is what makes the gospel of Jesus Christ so wonderful. There's nothing that we can do apart from what Christ has done to make man and God right. That is what makes reconciliation great. Let's look at different aspects of reconciliation. And Packer says it this way, the making of reconciliation. Look at Colossians chapter 1. We think about Christ and what he has done in making things right. We look at Christ and we look at his death as a sacrifice. Now we know in the Old Testament that there were sacrifices that were made before God as man broke the law. We know that the law was there to point us to our need for reconciliation and also for that sacrifice. So Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1. Beginning there in verse, let's go with 15. Colossians 1, 15. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by him all things were created, and this is Christ, in heaven and earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. We're talking about Christ, the preeminence of Christ to be specific. For he is before all things, and for him all things hold together. He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. 
And through him, listen to verse 20, through who? Through Christ to reconcile to himself. Now, look at the picture of that. That through Christ, Christ was reconciling everything to him. He is reconciling. He is making right everything to him. To reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of the cross. Christ was that sacrifice. Now, you read the Old Testament and the lambs and the dove and and what had to be done, that spotless sacrifice. Jesus Christ was that sacrifice for us. Reconciliation on Christ's behalf. What Christ did to make our relationship with God right, he was that sacrifice for us. Another way that we need to look at reconciliation, look at Ephesians chapter 2. It's kind of a, a big word. We don't use it very much. Propitiation. Propitiation is the idea that what was it? So, you know, we, we say this often. We all deserve, and this is, again, one of those things that's not very popular. Apart from the gospel, compared to God's holiness, we all deserve the wrath of God. When, when, when the second coming takes place and Christ's returned and we, we get that picture and the seals and the bowls and we got the, the seals are open and the bowls of wrath, those last things are happening. Why do we call it the, bowl, the bowls of wrath? You ever thought about that? The bowls of wrath. And when you read the end of Revelation, don't you get kind of scary? It's kind of scary, isn't it? The bowls of wrath. We've seen the video and the pictures. It's all scary. I heard somebody say one time, but this is it. The bowls of wrath of God's judgment is his undiluted wrath over sinfulness. Now, as a believer, we never have to deal with that. So we get so nervous when we think about what's going to happen at the end. I don't know what's going to happen at the end, but I will never face the wrath of God because of my relationship with God through Jesus Christ. Doesn't mean I won't face difficult times and sickness and things don't go my way. It doesn't mean, I mean, it doesn't mean that even today that the missionaries that we prayed over and we've been looking at all this month, they are facing persecution and beatings and exile. They are going through a lot of stuff that we don't go through. We may face all of that stuff, but I will never face the wrath of God. When Christ died on that cross, the word propitiation, he dealt with the wrath of God. We will never face the wrath of God because of what Christ has done for us. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 11. Ephesians 2, 11. In him also you were circumcised with circumcision, with hands by putting of the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. Having been buried with him in baptism, whence you were also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God who raised him from the dead. I'm in Colossians. It's no wonder that I couldn't find my spot. I always tell the, we, we've got a, a couple of young men that are praying about ministry and preaching. That would also be an instance in the pulpit that you get real nervous real quick because you're thinking, I have never seen, I would, did not see this verse in my preparation. This is a lot better. Now, Colossians 2 can still preach, but this is what I want to. Ephesians 2.11. 
Therefore, remember that at one time you Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, which is made in the flesh by hands. Remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without hope of God in the world. Now that's that's a dismal situation. Alienated from God, separated from God, no hope in our relationship with God. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Now, for guests from Church of God by Faith over on Carolina Avenue, there would have been some hooping hollering right after I said that. I heard that one amen. There would have been some church going on after that. You grasp that? But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. He did that for us. For he himself is our peace who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh this dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of the commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two so making peace and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross thereby killing the hostility. And he came and he preached peace to you who are far off and to those who are near. For through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father. It's gone. The wrath of God, his judgment on, on who we are, our sin. You know, it's the idea that uh, how many times have we, we seen this happen? You know, you, you've got a sin in your life and it's a great picture. It kind of can be kind of corny at times. You know, we, we, we got the cross set up. We used to do it a lot in the youth group. We got the cross set up. You go down there and you nail that, nail that nail on the cross. That's that sin in your life and you give it to Jesus. Now, I think sometimes we, we would nail that on the cross and then when nobody was looking, we'd take it back out and put it back in our pocket because we keep doing the same thing over and over. But the idea, I think the picture is a good picture. That sin in our life and who we were before we became a believer of Christ, lay it at the altar. Nail it to the cross. It's done. I have a relationship with Christ. I I will never stand under the wrath of God. There's nothing that I can do anymore that's going to make God love me anymore. I think a lot of Christians struggle with that. I do think that as we follow Christ, we should be holy people. That's where the things that we do come into play. We can't just say, I'm saved by grace, I'm going to do whatever I want to. No, Scripture says that we're growing in our sanctification and righteousness and holiness, so there's some doing to the Christian life. But some people, I think, do in order to make God more happy. If I don't do something, God won't love me. If I don't do something, God's not going to forgive me. Listen, there's nothing more we need to do. Christ has already done it. That, that's where sanctification comes into play. I have done it. There's nothing else I need to do other than repenting of my sin and placing my faith in Christ. He, the propitiation been, that's been done. It's all been nailed to the cross. Back to 2 Corinthians 5. 2 Corinthians 5. Another way to look at this, it all fits in together. Substitution. 
2 Corinthians 5, where we were earlier. It says, we regard no one according to the flesh. This is verse 16. We regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. We're new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is through Christ who reconciled us to himself and gave us this ministry of reconciliation. That is, Christ God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. And entrusting to us this message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. As God were making his appeal through us, we implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God for our sake. He made him to be sin who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Notice what that is showing us there in verse 21. It's the idea of substitution, a judicial exchange. He did what we couldn't do. He did for us what we needed to be doing ourselves. We we were the guilty ones, but because of reconciliation, Christ stepped in our place. He made him to be sin who knew no sin. Who knew no sin? Jesus Christ. He was perfect. He was not just a good person. He was not just a prophet. A lot of religions claim that Christ was a real person and a great person. He was God in the flesh. He was perfect. He knew no sin. And he took our place on that cross so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So that is the, as, as Packer would say, the, the making of reconciliation. I want to read a little segment of, of his book. I think it's very helpful. It was then by his substitutionary, propitiatory sacrifice. Those are big words, aren't they? On the part of the sinless Son of God, that our reconciliation was achieved because of his substitution, because of propitiation, because of his sacrifice of the sinless son, that our reconciliation was achieved. So much did salvation cost. And it was for God's enemies that this price was paid. And that's something to think about. When you are lost and you're dead and you're trespassing sin, before we become a believer, we're literally an enemy of the cross. That, that just goes completely against what the world would want us to think. That we were good people, we're not as bad as we could be. This, this narrow message of repentance and faith is just so narrow. God is love, you do it your way, and at the end it all works out. No, Scripture says that apart from the gospel, literally we are enemies to Christ and what he has done. So much more did salvation cost. It was for God's enemies that this price was prayed. Christ died for the ungodly. God shows his love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us, Romans 5, 6, and 8. God quenched and put away his own just wrath against us by sending his own son to atone for our sins in the darkness of Calvary. It was this, is this, that teaches us the measure of the mercy of God. This shows us the meaning of God's love. Reconciliation. 
going to close with this. The receiving of reconciliation. This morning we looked at grace. By grace through what? By grace through what? Faith. God's grace through faith. Reconciliation through faith. We receive the reconciliation. We receive, you know, it's, it's kind of like um, true, a true homeschool story. We homeschool our kids for, for years, and, and I can remember Sharon saying, well, you know, you're the pastor dad, so let's, let's, let's have theological pastor dad time. And i never forget this. I, I think the kids still remember this. And so I came home, you know, I was going to theological pastor dad, dad time, not dead time, dad time. So I come in there, and the kids were all little, you know. They're sitting in their little back little school room right there, and here comes Dad with the big Bible. And I said, all right, kids, we're going to look at what the Bible says about propitiation and sanctification and glorification and superlapsarianism, and we're going to get all this worked out. And, this, and they're like, oh, we just want to, you know, when, when are we going outside and when's lunch? And I sit there thinking, Sharon's like, well, <laughs> great idea, poor execution. You know, we're not there yet. I mean, when, 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 when I responded to the gospel, when I grew up in church, I don't know if I ever heard uh, my Sunday school teacher give a long discourse on reconciliation and propitiation and all this stuff. No, but that is what the word means. And so what I have found out that I came to faith in Christ because I knew I was a sinner and I knew Jesus Christ would forgive me. And I knew that I wanted, to, I wanted to go to heaven one day. My pastor talked a lot about going to heaven. I wanted to go to heaven one day. I knew that I was a sinner. My salvation took part as a young man growing up in church when I believed in sin forever and ever and ever. Salvation takes part when you realize I'm the sinner. He's been talking about me all this time. Y'all remember that time? when you know I can still remember that. When I was about 12 years old going, Oh, I'm the sinner. That's when salvation takes place, when you realize all that truth you've heard is you, and that's when it takes faith to respond. Now, after that, I've understood what propitiation means, and I will say this, my salvation has meant more to me as I've grown in my understanding and knowledge of who God is. I think that's why when we look and we see people... uh, those of, of faith, I think about my grandparents and my grandmothers. They just had a faith to them because I think they had realized what it was that Christ has done for them. I don't see that in the church anymore. I'm not just saying our church. I'm just saying church in general. We, we've taken the gospel and it's so flippant. We've taken church and it's so flippant. We take church ministry and we, we bounce around from bounce around. And we like, I always say, the, the, the Burger King people, have it your way day. Just find, the, find that church that you can have it your way. And we've taken the gospel and we've watered it down. And we don't share our faith. We don't talk about sin. We don't talk about the blood. We're not worried about all of that stuff. We're worried about our stuff. As an adult... When you understand what propitiation is, you daily take up his cross and you follow after him because you realize what it is that he did for you that you may have life. If you read in there, and we don't don't go long into that, we receive reconciliation as we receive the reconciler. 
Look again at 2 Corinthians 5. Even though once we regarded Christ to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is what? In Christ. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. For our sake he made him do know no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. The ministry of reconciliation needs to be received by faith as we understand that we are no longer an, a, a, an old creation, but we are a new creation. We receive reconciliation as we receive the reconciler. Close with this. The ministry of reconciliation is not telling people to make peace with God, but telling them that God has made peace with them. The gospel does not reconcile yourselves. The gospel is be reconciled to God. In other words, receive reconciliation from God. Let's stand as we pray. Lord, we thank you for your word tonight. Lord, we thank you for reconciliation. We thank you for the power of Jesus Christ and the gospel. It's so hard to grasp that apart from Christ, we are enemies to the cross and to the message of the cross. And so, Lord, we come before you and we just are humbled by the idea that you sent your son, born in a manger, lived a sinless life, died for us, paid the price, was our sacrifice so that we may be right with you. Oh, we thank you for the power of the gospel. And Lord, I pray that we not only believe it with our head, but we embrace it with our heart. And it's what drives our worship and our obedience and our ministry unto you. We love you, Jesus. We thank you for the ministry of reconciliation that we have received, but also, Lord, the ministry that we have been given. And we pray this in Christ's name. Amen.